Welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where every JoJo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 39, and we're reviewing yet another long title, Part 6, Stone Ocean, Operation Savage Garden, Head to the Courtyard, Part 2. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime, so you've been warned. The localized title is, again, Operation Savage Guardian, Head to the Courtyard, Part 2. Um, but that's the only acknowledgement you're going to get from me about the localized title. That's referencing the the agent, right, that Jolene's supposed to deliver the disc to. Yeah, the fucking pigeon. Yeah, that's that's uh, the name of the pigeon. Which, at first, I thought they were talking about, like, the, the well, courtyard. Spoilers, it's a pigeon? <laughs> the courtyard was called Savage Garden, right? Because there's somewhat of a tie in there. It's not an actual mm-hmm. garden, but... You know, maybe the courtyard was called that, but then or watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's the fucking pigeon. <laughs> Why not just call it Jumpin' Jack Flash? Oh, but it's Operation Savage Garden. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's fine. Um, it's a pigeon, and that's 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 what JoJo's all about. Well, we don't know yet that it's a pigeon. Well, but... spoilers, because it happened already <laughs> in the anime. It's a pigeon, and that's the next episode, right? Yeah, it's the last episode of this part one. Holy shit. Well, yeah, as always, we've been working on the schedule, just trying to figure out what we're going to do to fill in the gap between now and whenever the next episode drop hits on Netflix. Um, I think we're approaching, or maybe it's already happened, that JoJo event where they're supposed to maybe share some information about that. No, it's still, I think, end of March, whenever. Wait, end of March or end of February? End of March, I believe. Oh, I thought it was because the beginning of March. Wait, what? Anime <laughs> Japan for 2022 is supposed to happen in March. Yeah. Did they, did they specify like end of March or early March? It just says March. According to a, like a Japan travel website late march late march holy shit okay well yeah we're, we're still working on that schedule we're gonna have some fun topics i think to hold us over between um the next stone ocean review episode which will be the last for a bit and then the next one that starts up the next batch of episodes on netflix i don't know what's happening i don't think anyone knows what's happening i think we're all getting a little worried that we haven't heard anything um and we're already catching up to the japan broadcast of stone ocean um, I think they're, what, six, seven episodes in now, but I don't know. Yeah, I found the comicbook.com article. Um, it's March 26th when the convention will be held. Damn. Okay. Well, yeah. If anyone has any suggestions or, you know, certain things you'd like to hear us talk about, we've got a whole list of things, um, but if you have any suggestions, we're always open to that. So look forward to some fun discussions in the next couple of weeks after next week's review episode, last review episode of Stone Ocean for this batch. I guess other than that, there's only one small piece of JoJo news from this week, and that's with a quote-unquote new visual release. This is for what is called JoJo World. I think that's like the, like they call it like a pop-up theme park that's been kind of traveling throughout Japan. It used to feature the first five JoJo protagonists for each part. Or the, for the first five parts, but now they've just added Jolene. Because um, I think this started kind of in the middle of the promotional campaign for Stone Ocean. So they didn't really uh, want to include Jolene in the lineup. But she is there now. She has 
a chair pulled up next to the other five JoJo's. It looks really nice. I'm glad they added her because, I mean, she's she's an official JoJo, and it, it's a very nice, cohesive image, and it's kind of interesting to see Jotaro as an 18-year-old and down the line as his daughter as a set. How old is she? 19-year-old? Something like that? I think so, yeah. It's kind of trippy, but, I mean, it's, it's a snapshot in time of that particular JoJo because if it were current day, Jonathan would be exploded. And Joseph I would be very, very, very old. And Jotaro would be incapacitated. In his, what did you call it last? Like the cryogenic tank or his whatever. His iron lung. Or, yeah, the iron lung. <laughs> I kind of like that they kept each character in their respective parts, like animation style. Because um, looking at Jotaro, he looks exactly like he did in part three. And it seems like they probably redrew these. Um, for this visual promo uh, so that, that was kind of nice like rather than because i know like araki now can't remember how to draw in the previous art styles that he used for the earlier parts of his manga um, but i i just like that touch i do too i think it's great and it's not often we actually get a an official visual that uses all of the art styles usually it's all of the care or all of the jojos but in a specific art style so they all look cohesive here it's as you describe, it's it's everyone in their original art style. And I also really like that because JoJo is one of the only anime out there that uses different art styles for each season, or not season but part or arc um, of the story. I, you may get that in other places. Usually it's because of a production issue. Like I think back to Oregaeru. Season one looked drastically different than seasons two and three because they switched um, studios in the middle. Or, of course, Attack on Titan has a different look for the final season because they switched from what studio to MAPPA. Here it's an intentional switch in art style to pay homage to Araki's ever uh, developing and, and changing art style. So I think it's great that they kept those original ones so that we can be reminded of how the JoJo's look over the uh, over the years. Although I feel like parts five six seven eight he kind of settled with a very particular style or rocky settled with a very particular style so i feel like they those parts are all gonna start to look more cohesive i disagree i actually oh. think that five and six have a similar art style there's a, like small differences um but if you look the, look at them really quick they do look very similar and then i would say seven and eight have a separate art style because seven and eight is when araki started to draw more like high fashion magazines i mean he's always had that inspiration but something about it just looks very much like it's a a, a high fashion type of sketch that came out of I don't know, some designer's work or something like that. Because I, I look at um, Rohan and how he was drawn in part four, but then you look at how Araki drew him for like Rohan Goes to the Louvre or Rohan Goes to Gucci or whatever those titles were, and they look more like part seven and part eight style, but drastically different than everything before it. So I, I think there's a distinct difference, but I'm not an art art person, so I could be, I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the only JoJo news for this week. Not that any of us will be going to JoJo World anytime soon since <laughs> Japan is still pretty sure like they're starting to become more lax on opening up their borders. But again, with the state of the world, that has yet to, or we have yet to know. 
<laughs> well, we did see. I think you you were there with me. There was a video on YouTube. Um, we we saw some glimpses into what JoJo World actually looks like. Yeah, and I think it was Connor Sea Dog VA. Yeah, from from Trash Taste um, or from YouTube. It, it's I think a little less impressive than we all hoped it would be. I think it's more just like a, a small fun little thing that you can do if you're a a big JoJo fan. And I think they tried their best. Um, to build something that could be mobile and travel to different parts of Japan. So I'm not I'm not knocking it by any means, um, but he was kind of honest in his review of it, saying, you know, it, it may not be as magical as we all kind of hoped it would be, but it's still worth visiting. And I mean, either way, I would still go fucking see it. And maybe we're just overdue for a proper, like, JoJo theme park. Like, you could put it in Universal Studios Japan Especially since part nine, which was recently announced that their Iraqi will be working on, is called Jojo Land, and a lot of people are speculating that it's going to be like what amusement park themed. That would be cool. Not not quite like Lalihu in uh, in part three <laughs> or with, the baby, with the baby sand. Yeah, Polnareff. Hey, I'd be down to go to Polnareff Land. Let's do that. <laughs> so let's transition into the actual episode. What did you think about this one? Because I know we talked last time about how the previous episode sets up for this climactic battle of, again, this first part of Stone Ocean. Um, what were your thoughts on it? So I remember our first watch through of Stone Ocean Part 1. We got to this episode, and maybe it was because we were just watching everything like in one go. Or not everything, but we had watched the majority of episodes in one go, including these last three in the operation savage garden arc and i just remember not being that enthralled by this episode and i looking back i was thinking maybe it was just because i was i was getting tired from watching <laughs> not that stone ocean isn't exciting but like like i said i can't watch bulk episodes with the same energy that courtney does and so i was chalking it up to maybe like i just wasn't in the right mood to watch this part two of Operation Savage Garden. But then when we rewatched it for this episode discussion, I still didn't, I still wasn't enthralled by it. And I think I know why. I think it's more of a quote unquote thinking fight where the real weapons and action that's used in the episode are the powers of atmospheric science. And I'll confess I'm not that big of a science buff. And so I think, you know, when Weather Report and Jolene and, and Monkey Man are talking about, like, how they're using atmosphere to to, to do battle against each other, like, I, I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it is very much a, um, not like an exposition-heavy fight, but just... Uh, a science-based fight where they're really not using their stands all that much. Um, they are, but just not not as much in compared to other fights. But I I disagree in that it's okay. Well, it's like a personal thing. I, I found it to be a lot of fun. Still, I found it to be very interesting because it is kind of nice to break out of that usual stand-on-stand type of fight. And it reminds me of the Darby fights in Part Three. You have 
like villain of the week formula in part three. You know, you got Oro Oras every fucking episode, but then here we get a gambling episode where you don't even fucking see Star Platinum. I mean, maybe you do for like a second, but he's not present in, in this fight. It's just a battle of wits against Jotaro and Darby Sr. And then the Darby Jr. fight, similar situation there where you're not like fighting fists, you know, against fists. It's just outwitting the opponent through some really sketchy means while you're playing a video game. No, I, I agree. Like, I love those fights in JoJo where it's not always combat-based. Like you said, it's more of a, a battle of wits. Because um, that's why I, I particularly enjoyed the episode with Mirashon and the, um, Marilyn Manson because that felt like a callback to the Darby fights. But I really just think it's it's the science-based, the science basis of this episode. And it, it is unique. Like... To, to base uh, a battle just on scientific knowledge and, and using atmosphere and such. But I think just for me personally, I the science just took me out of it. Yeah, I can see that. I, I think um, I, I, I had a hard time trying to capture notes while also reading all the things that Weather Report was explaining because it's just a lot all at once. Um, so I, I completely... I can completely understand that. I, I think I have a, a special affinity with this episode because this is kind of Weather Report's true introductory episode in terms mm-hmm. of what he's capable of, the way that he thinks, and his relationship with Jolene. So yes, previous episode was his actual introductory episode, and we started to get a taste of his level of intelligence and his level of loyalty to Jolene. Um, however, here it's on full display, and I loved it. I mean, I... When I read this part in the manga, I walked away from this just thinking, Weather Report is a real one. Like, he he kept Jolene alive, kept her going this entire fight. There's, to me, almost no way Jolene would have survived if it weren't for Weather Report. And I know that there's been fantastic fights, um, team-ups with Jolene and, like, Hermes, for example. But I don't know. I haven't felt like it was on this level of reliance where, again, Jolene was almost guaranteed to lose if it weren't for weather report versus like Hermes was able to help her out a lot, but Jolene was still kind of the driving forces or the driving force in, in those previous fights. So I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm biased and I love weather report so much, but it was great to see how, how pivotal he was for Jolene in this moment. No, he definitely made a huge sacrifice play in the climax of this episode. I think what's amazing is that, he has only known Jolene, I think it's for seven minutes, according to the time logic of this episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so for him to do something for someone that he just met, like that says a lot about his character. Especially after Emporio tells Jolene previous episode that Weather Report just wants to tag along, like he's bored and wants something to do. He He risks his life time and time again for her in this fight on the basis of just this girl wanting to save her father. I mean, that that's it. Like, that's the driving force behind him wanting to do this. He doesn't know anything about her and her character. Maybe Emporio filled him in a little bit, but really, both with Weather Report and Hermes and Foo Fighters, and honestly, Emporio too, like the whole gang so far is driven by Jolene's drive to save Jotaro. That, that is how powerful... Um, you know, that that father-daughter bond is, that other people are compelled by that to help her out, even at their own, at at the cost of their own lives, potentially. 
All right, so despite our heroes being stuck in zero gravity, let's ourselves jump right into our synopsis and discussion for part six, episode 11, Operation Savage Guardian, Head to the Courtyard, part two. <laughs> Poochie Gang takes a cue from the NSA and demands a wiretap to learn more about Jolene's Uber Eats order in her call with the Speed Waifu Foundation. Meanwhile, Jolene and Weather Report are having quite the time in Monkey Man's makeshift zero-gravity experience theme park attraction at the prison's Laundryland theme park, though our juvenile Jojo is in dire need of a pee break due to Jumpin' Jack Flash's oxygen-threatening effects. As Weather Report whips up some neato Michelin Man cosplays for them to wear as a way to regulate their hormone breathing, Jolene comes to the conclusion that Monkey Man's standability has a limited range, and resolves to take Weather Report and push him somewhere else to defeat the sinister Simeon. However, Monkey Man makes a mess of their makeshift marshmallow moon suits with his flurry of projectiles. However, however, Jolene cooks up an anime scheme by attaching Stone Freeze threads to the projectiles and, through the transitive property, pulling Monkey Man into the Zero Gravity theme park attraction to have a taste of his own medicine and become a blood-boiling borscht. Monkey Man tries to out-anime scheme her anime scheme by throwing a bottle of Chemical X at Jolene's suit, but Weather Report sheds his super suit and gifts it to his prison posse partner so that she can continue to susume. Monkey Man makes one last-ditch effort to escape his zero-gravity room by shutting the power off and undefying gravity, but he miscalculates and is sent careening towards Jolene, who uses Stone Free to violently launder his body into a hamper and retrieves the Star Platinum certified disc. With the courtyard now within striking distance, Jolene helps hide Weather Report to recoup from his injuries and uses Monkey Man's credentials to open the exit door. And who else shows up as her unwelcome welcoming party but Saint Poochie Gang, the pernicious priest poised to purge the penitent prisoners of this place of punishment. Time to say your Poochie prayers. And now onto our next segment of the show, is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. And I think for the very first time in our Stone Ocean Review series, I have nothing. Ooh. <laughs> I think we, we talked about Lang Wrangler, again, Monkey Man, his stand jumping Jack Flash. When we talked about Weather Report, we've already talked about Poochie Gang. So they're, they're all covered. Um, I know I like to throw my own references that could have been inserted into certain episodes where are, there are no references. I would say with the, the cloud suits, they could have referenced Elton John's Rocket Man. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, but that's all I got. Well, now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And that's the end of the JoJo meme rundown because I don't think there were any in this one. <laughs> I mean, maybe the piss, maybe that could be a meme at some point, uh, but yeah. I haven't seen anything. So yeah, no memes this time around, but I mean, it's a pretty contained episode that just kind of follows the, the, the setup from the previous episode. So immediately, right off the bat, they tell us, the prison guards, that no prisoner has managed to escape in 20 years. And then I think back to a couple of episodes ago, and I'm like, Jotaro basically got Jolene out. She just chose to go back into the prison. So yeah, Jolene's <laughs> like, hold my beer. Yeah, it's like, well, I'm a Joe star, so I'm going to prove you wrong there. But yeah, it's just interesting that they had mentioned that, because I'm like, well, technically, Jolene could have been the first in 20 years. But 
she wants to save her dad. And then we find out that Poochie's in the room with them. And I'm just wondering, why is a priest able to get access to call recordings? They just give that to the priest, like, without questioning why he needs it. I just find that interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like they need to clarify Poochie's figure, like, where he stands in the like the authority of this prison because I figured he's just a regular prison chaplain and he wouldn't be privy to this information unless he holds a much higher position. Yeah, he kind of just makes his rounds around the prison and just has access to everything and can do whatever he wants. And I'm like, I just figured a a, a prison priest just shows up during his assigned times and then goes home. But you know maybe what it not. Is? It's the trope in anime of the church wielding very... <laughs> like very high power that's what it is <laughs> i also found it interesting that he clarifies it's only been seven minutes since she made her phone call since the mm -hmm. start of operation savage garden so seven all minutes yeah, all of the previous episode we are led to believe that took place within seven minutes like jolene visiting emporio's piano room and then everything that started with monkey man i could see if there were a lot of cuts back and forth to like jolene's situation then we go back to poochie or whatever where maybe if you just took all of jolene's parts and then combine them or kind of um yeah, put them together that it would span seven minutes but no i mean the majority of the last episode was about jolene and what the fuck mm -hmm. she was up to so there's no way and then to your earlier point Weather Report is doing all of these things for her, having only known her for fucking seven minutes. It's it's kind of wild, but that's JoJo logic for you. I also found it interesting that Weather Report was introduced as a guy who likes to whisper and talk right up in your face, and now he's just kind of talking normally. You could probably chalk that up to the fact that they're in danger and he doesn't have time to be dicking around. But as I was writing that note, like the episode went on and she talks about how she needs to piss so then he says she's trying to avoid saying that i have to pee right she's she's shy she doesn't want to say that to a dude but then he goes right up to her face and he's like you need to take a piss <laughs> he just yeah, like goes yeah, he right does. up to her isn't he kind of upside down too? yeah he <laughs> floats upside down gets right up in her face like you gotta take a piss and she's like don't go or don't say that so close to me <laughs> so yeah he he's still maintaining that trope that he has or that habit that he has that reminds me of that song by the police or by Sting, like, don't stand so close to me. <laughs> that should have been his second. Maybe that should have been his name and then the stand is weather report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't stand so close to me or the police or whatever. I think the other instance of this in the episode is a bit later when Jolene is talking about suffocating being their cause of death and weather report's like, nah, actually our blood's going to boil. But then he gets right up in her face to say it. Like he chooses the most awkward lines to get really close to her. Like you need to take a piss. No, nah, our blood's going to boil. That's how we're going to die. <laughs> One thing that I forgot to bring up in the last episode, this was actually just a fleeting shot. Um, in the scene where we see Weather Report and Jolene in the laundry room. We didn't talk about Jolene's shoe and her pants. I thought they were all one continuous thing, but we see that she removes it in the previous episode, and I think here she's trying to put it back on her foot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was so funny that, yeah, like I thought she would have to remove her entire outfit in order to get her shoes off, but... It's the shoe just happens to match the design of her pants and I guess the rest of her 
outfit. So that makes me question because we talked about Jotaro's part six outfit when he got introduced um, during the <laughs> yeah, uh, his, the visitation his arc. Snakes, his yeah. snakeskin pants. Snakeskin and boot pants. So maybe there it's actually shoes and they just look cohesive. Maybe he's not actually wearing a single set of boots and pants. Although no. I like to think he is. I like, think that'd be cooler. <laughs> like father, like daughter. <laughs> So yeah, then the, the pee part happens, and again, weather report says, oh, I already took a piss, and it's just floating in the air. And this is when it starts to get really scientific throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. So weather report says um, all that shit about like zero gravity and then getting moon face and his clouds being able to absorb the piss. And I'm like, is all of this scientifically accurate? I'm just so curious to know what level or, or what, um, what bits and pieces of his explanations are actually scientifically accurate. I I want to believe that Iraqi did his research before writing all of this, but I also have like this gut feeling that he did not, and he's making some of this shit up because it is Iraqi that we're talking about here, and we are trying to pass off that all of this is happening in 20 minutes. I feel like Iraqi probably had a science book ready to craft this story of this entire Operation Savage Garden. Because I get a lot of science is thrown in this episode, starting with here with the blood rushing to your head, causing you to want to pee or whatever. Um, so this <laughs> this reminds me of uh, an episode of Arthur um, where one of the characters has to like improvise during a play. So he just starts spouting his breadth of knowledge about it was also about space so yeah <laughs> well then jolene says that she touched the walls in the room and so it all became zero gravity and that's when the the oxygen the air in the room starts getting sucked out through the doorway and that's when she mentions she assumes suffocating will be their cause of death and weather reports like nah our blood's gonna boil first um, and then he uses weather report uses weather report to create zero zero gravity suits made of clouds like there's some fucking astronauts, and yeah, I'm just the, the whole time I'm thinking weather report is really fucking smart, and maybe it's because he needs to be knowledgeable about the weather, um, because he uses weather report and that's how he can maximize the ability of his stand, but even beyond that, just his knowledge of space and how people will die in space is kind of impressive it makes me wonder because we know that weather report has lost his memories and that might be due to like white snakes like what something that white snake had affected him with um like what weather reports previous occupation would have been and this whole space thing i feel like they used it because of like the kennedy space center which is based in florida so i, oh, yeah, I guess that's this right. reference kind of makes sense so maybe weather report used to work at the kennedy space center and that's why <laughs> he has this whole fascination with making these cloud suits um i don't know but i i just remember the other thing of why i didn't really like this episode was the blood rushing out of the zero gravity area blood makes me queasy and just seeing the shots of the blood coming out of Jolene's body and Weather Report's eyes, it made me sit uneasy as I was watching. I was okay with it, except the nosebleed one. For some reason, the nosebleed and uh, like all that rushing out of Jolene's nose got me kind of 
feeling un- uneasy. I don't know. Something about that was weird just because I can imagine. Like, no one likes getting a nosebleed, and they're they're common enough where I think most people have experienced them. But imagine just, like, a vacuum attached to your nose just sucking the blood out of your nose. Like, that's, so that's kind of that's that's, gnarly. No, that's already making me queasy. Okay. So. <laughs> well, then I will move on. <laughs> but my point, my going back to my earlier point about whether poor just having this in- insane level of knowledge about science and zero gravity and all of that, I, I love that because, as I shared in the, the last episode, he's a very quirky character. He likes to stand on his tiptoes and is a fanatic of the TV guy but doesn't watch TV. I just love that he's so strange but also incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly loyal, and incredibly capable and useful. It's just this weird blend of a character that I think is really fun to watch. And in the, the zero gravity suit moment, I really appreciated the sound of them speaking in those suits, how it was more muffled. And it almost was like the surrounding noise was was kind of uh, muffled out because, again, they're wearing helmets. You, it felt very immersive the way that David Production made this, this all kind of uh, come together because I, I felt like I was wearing a, a helmet and that I could hear them speaking in a muffled tone. But, like, the surrounding noise was kind of drowned out because of a a helmet being on your head yeah like astronauts being in space and i think another nice touch was um with the the lens of the suit you could kind of see jolene's breathing Um, oh yeah that's right yeah so just another nice touch like they didn't need to add that but i think it, it worked along with that like filtered audio effect then jolene notices that the laundry bins and the barrels in the corner of the room aren't floating meaning there's a range to the enemy standability. And I like this because I, I feel like if Weather Report was carrying this episode too much, it would almost make Jolene's intelligence feel like discounted or kind of drowned out. But here she has, of course, her her moment where she's noticing this and is able to kind of carry her weight of figuring out how to get out of this situation. And again, she's she's a Joe star. Like she's got to have her moments where she she sees something and can put two to two, two and two together very quickly. Um what I did find funny, though, was when Wrangler was shooting his nuts and bolts at Weather Report. He punctures a hole in the suit, but I'm thinking it's made of clouds, and Weather Report can control the clouds, so can't he just fix the hole? I think Weather Report said he was only able to make the suits out of the limited air in the room, so... I don't think he could have replenished the air if there was a hole punctured in the suit. But it's not like a physical suit made of fabric. It's just clouds. And he made it, right? He made it in the first place. Like, that would be like if, um, I don't know, like, you've got some, like, like, paint, right? And you, like, paint something. And then you take your finger and you stick your, your finger in it. And now you've got, like, this weird blob in the middle of your paint. Can you just paint over it? You know what I mean? Like, just paint over it. Like, just... Yeah, like the clouds could have just replaced it. I don't, I don't know. It was like to me, it was like such a simple fix. Like just use your ability to close the hole, because you can control how the clouds are shaped on your body in the first place. But I don't know, Rocky forgot, I guess, (laughs) or or weather report forgot, I guess. Another thing, um, again, Jolene is able to have a heightened sense of like situational awareness. I think because she has that Joestar blood in her, but if. If she determines that Monkey Man has a limited range, if Monkey Man moves, doesn't that mean his range is moving? 
That's what I thought. I thought that the range, the stand's range, is centered around the stand itself. We don't actually see his stand the entire time in this fight, or at least in this episode, right? Uh, so maybe yeah. his stand is technically in a certain spot, like a fixated spot in the room, um, and he's outside of it. But to that point, towards the end of the episode, we see Wrangler outside of the range, right? And he's outside mm-hmm. the bubble, looking at the bubble, like the dome that they're in. But he's fucking floating. How is he floating? Right? Did you notice oh, yeah. that? He's, How the he's fuck is he floating? supposed to cling to the walls. Yeah. That's and like, how we've seen him. The barrels and the laundry bins outside of the, the stand's range are not floating. So how, how the fuck is he floating the whole time? Like, there's literally no explanation for that. Like, that's got to be a, a real Iraqi forgot moment where he should not have been floating. There's no way. Well, you can chalk that up to science. Since science <laughs> explains everything in this episode. Um, really quick, just wanted to call out the the voice actor for Monkey Man or Yen Lang Wrangler is Chikahiro Kobayashi. You might be familiar with him. He's actually the voice of Legoshi in Beastars. Is he really? Mm-hmm. He's a very good voice actor. Well, at least in in Legoshi, his role for Legoshi, very very good voice actor. So that's interesting. I didn't catch that. Well, on the topic of Wrangler, I did know that he says she makes incredibly quick decisions when he's watching Jolene get out of the situation. And in my head, I'm like, well, yes, she's a Joestar and she's Joe mm-hmm. daughter. She's shown us time and time again that she can make incredibly quick decisions. I just I really appreciate, though, that these enemy stand users keep underestimating her and then they are very surprised by her abilities to the point where they have to they feel compelled to actually like state that state that that astonishment like she makes incredibly quick decision decisions or when um poochie went to go check on foo fighters after they took foo fighters with them and he was like i just needed to use her as bait but i clearly under underestimated her and now she's actually a problem for me like why do you keep underestimating her she's gone through like two or three enemy stands now like you can't just keep can't just keep assuming you'll you'll defeat her yeah and there's no way poochie doesn't know about the entire joestar lineage being a problem for enemy stand users so if, if someone has joestar as their last name you can just automatically assume, i mean technically she doesn't right but if they're of the joestar lineage you can probably just assume that they're going to be a pain in the ass if you're an enemy stand user i mean it, there is like an escalation in enemy stand abilities go again going from the debt collector marilyn manson to a stand abiliter who can control gravity. So you would think that's the be all end all for for a Joestar, but no, they're they're a lot slicker than that. I'm also to that point, I'm also surprised um that they have such an OP enemy stand user in the first part of this show. Um I I honestly do not remember the vast majority of uh future enemy stand user stand users that Jolene and the group will come across. Um but just kind of thinking about lang wrangler he he's really op and he was very close to winning he just made a couple of fuck ups mm-hmm. and i just think how can they get more sinister and more um dangerous from here Araki will find a way i'm sure but it's just interesting that we have such an op stand user so quickly in the show so as mentioned earlier weather report is a real one and gives jolene his suit he's willing to sacrifice his life after knowing her for like maybe by this point like 15 minutes or something so that she can uh you know defeat lang wrangler 
And after the end of the fight, she says, okay, good. I've got about two to three minutes left until the Speedwagon Foundation arrives. And I'm like, what the fuck? How is that like just a couple of minutes between the start and end of this fight? Like, what the hell? (laughs) How is she keeping track of time? She's not wearing a Or does she look at a clock in the room? Was there a clock in the room? Actually, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Or she just has like an internal (laughs) clock in her head that (laughs) she's like, okay, 15 minutes, 17 minutes have passed. I have time. I know. I don't understand how, how she knew that. And also, I'm just thinking, like, you're telling me if the fight started at the seven-minute mark and it ended with three minutes, th- two to three minutes left, it's a 10-minute fight. Although- and then that leaves up the rest of the next episode before she actually reaches the courtyard, too. That's true. But, yeah, because the, the pigeon shows up at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jojo logic. Oh, God. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> Time has stopped. After the fight as well, Jolene and Weather Report... Um, have a quick chat and he weather report is surprised by jolene because he says if you do this if you go to the courtyard and you take down any of the guards you're going to be charged with attempted escape you're going to be in solitary confinement for six months and all jolene says is that's fine and she just keeps moving on and then she clarifies a little bit later that handing over the disc to speedwagon foundation is quote unquote my only mission in life and i just again I, i love that because again she had an absent father, understandably so, but she realizes what he was trying to do to protect her and her mom, and so now she just wants to get her dad back so they can probably so they can have a normal relationship, you know, as best as possible. It's kind of like when Emporio in the last episode warned her that she was going to get five extra years added to her sentence if she was caught in the courtyard. But again, like Jolene doesn't care about the risk because it's. Like, saving Jotaro's life is obviously well worth the risk at this point. Yeah, just like how Jotaro did not hesitate to risk his life to save Holly. Even though, you know, he was a sassy teenager, as soon as she fell ill and they they realized it was because of Dio, he's like, let's fucking go. We're going to Egypt, boys. And then um, same with Joseph in, in part two. I mean, he was willing to sacrifice his life in order to take down cars. I just, it's a Joestar trait and Jolene has it full-fledged. So the episode ends with Jolene and Poochie accidentally meeting. And I was like, what a cool and unexpected way for the protagonist and the antagonist to meet. Fucking by accident. Isn't that, that crazy? Like, they're both like, what the fuck? And I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We'll find out in the next episode that they don't even, well, Jolene doesn't even put two and two together because she has no reason to suspect Poochie. So he's got to play it off. And she's just like, oh, it's the priest. Well, I'm just going to make my way to the courtyard. And no one ever suspects a, the noble priest. Although, again, anime tropes have shown us that the church is typically the enemy. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I really enjoyed watching this the first time. I really enjoyed that. I didn't remember it in the manga at all. So I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Poochie. As soon as his voice came onto the speaker, I was like, oh my God, that's fucking Poochie. They're about to run into each other. Um, luckily, you know, weather report kind of hid because I think that would have set some red flags off for Poochie, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Something about that was just refreshing. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that. And it's a nice cliffhanger to leave us, uh, leave us hanging with. Yeah. It's weird that like you meet, I'm assuming like the, the main antagonist of this part, like halfway through this part, it's kind of like if in part three, Jotaro happened to pass by Dio in episode four yeah just like like, walking down the street like 50 episodes (laughs) that's that's nuts because before we go to the final talks i wanted to um just pull out another thing that 
from the I think the conclusion of Monkey Man's fight with Jolene. Um, if you remember, Stone Free is able to pull Monkey Man into the the range of Jumping Jack Flash, and so his blood begins to boil, and you can see his body sort of sort of contorting because of this, and it makes me wonder, like, because after this. Monkey Man just speaks like this whole Bond villain monologue. And so <laughs> how can he speak so much in zero gravity if he's saying that Jolene's blood vessels are going to rupture first because he punctured her suit and if he's the one that's really using up more oxygen than she is? Um, Jojo logic. I don't know. That's the best <laughs> way I can explain Explain that it. science. <laughs> you know, you're, you're absolutely right. I think... Like, he should be dead immediately. Because think about Weather Report getting his face all, like, boiled up because his blood is boiling. But he's still got a suit kind of somewhat helping him maintain the pressure. Mm-hmm. Wrangler just gets launched into zero gravity. You'd think, like, within 30 seconds or less, he'd be dead. And I think he even says, like, you have 20 seconds before your your body, like, explodes. And yet and he's, <laughs> he's just OP as fuck, I yeah, guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> time is just working really strangely in this uh, Savage Garden arc. I really and- liked his backstory, though, about how he's a murderer because we often find, especially in part four, that enemy stand users are like okay people at the end of the day. They're just like placed in these awkward situations where they're compelled to behave a certain way. Granted, we kind of move away from that trope in part five where, like, they're straight up killing people. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, fuck it, this is the mafia, okay? Um, but, yeah, I think they're, we're kind of following that trend a little bit here where, sure, McQueen was not innately a killer, but he intentionally wanted to take down Hermes. But you get Lang Wrangler, who is kind of fucked up, and you get Mirashon, who, yeah, it's petty crimes, but, you know, th- there's something that... that helps you believe that they are bad because they have a history of being bad versus again like part four where everyone is just a regular person who just happened to get a stand because someone's going around shooting people with the stand arrow and they just didn't know how to handle the power (laughs) (laughs) and don't forget like they're prisoners for a reason yeah (laughs) yeah and it, it makes them feel much more sinister than i think they would in other parts but i think the same same situation with part five because they're in the mafia and that's Mm -hmm. crime and murder and all that stuff it feels more sinister than some of the other sand users in other parts and monkey man killed a professor right yeah some chick he stabbed like 69 times nice nice (laughs) (laughs) um i think that's just another like science reference although they they never mention like what her profession was it did look like a science lab though. yeah that's true it looked like a science lab so like a, like a high school science that's probably lab. why he knows how to use his stand well, although it was uh, a gifted yeah. stand from poochie because he does say i love this stand now that i've acquired it now that i'm in this jail or whatever so yeah poochie is probably like you like science here's a zero gravity stand. <laughs> let me give you the most complicated stand in my collection <laughs> and so that brings us to our final thoughts for part six episode 11 operation savage garden Savage Guardian, head to the Corge Guard, <laughs> part two. What did you think about this episode? Did it make you space out as much as it did for me? <laughs> I still loved it. I think it's not going to be the most epic fight you're going to get in Stone Ocean. It's There's intensity behind it and a lot of kind of like, there's moments that keep you on the edge of your seat because there's like one-upping left and right, kind of when Joseph fights anybody. You think Jolene's got the upper hand. 
and then Lang Wrangler has the upper hand and then Jolene and then Wrangler. So there, there is some tension here that, that makes it enjoyable. I would say, again, comparing it to other fights that we'll probably get or ones that we've already seen, there's less action. So there is more thinking behind it. But with that said, it's a great way to display uh, Weather Report's intelligence, his loyalty, his capabilities, as I've shared before. So I like it for that aspect, if anything. But what about you? I think I've been pretty honest about my feelings with this episode since the start. Uh, just the fight between Monkey Man and Jolene and Weather Report, it it felt like a drag. And I think it's just because this episode was a bit too sciencey for me to fully appreciate. And I'm sorry to all like the the science whizzes out there, but I barely passed my high school physics class. So that tells you how much <laughs> I love science. Um, I did appreciate Weather Report's sacrifice play uh, in order to save Jolene in the end and keep her on track with her mission to save her father. I just thought that that's a best boy move in my book. And of course, I think the highlight of this episode is bookmarked with the, the fateful encounter between Jolene and Poochie. Again, it's amazing that it, we're getting this so early on in Stone Ocean, even though she doesn't realize at this point that she is staring directly at her, or she's staring at her father's quote unquote killer directly in the eyes. Um, but all in all, it was an okay episode that despite making me feel like I was sitting in a high school science class, I think it transition us, transitions us pretty well into a, what I think is a very intriguing finale for Stone Ocean Part 1. Did you at least feel like there was a good level of intensity behind this fight? Yeah. I mean, with, I think, like, Jolene and Weather Report constantly trying to Not to catch die. their breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Monkey Man just always shooting the... I feel like he always had the same attack, just shooting projectiles at them. Yeah. And so Jolene, um, she exploited that using the threat, like, Stone Freeze threads. And so that was a nice payoff. Um, but yeah, I guess it was, <laughs> the science was just too big brain for me to enjoy those nuanced action parts. Yeah, I feel that. Well, if any, if anyone listening does have a science background or is intrigued enough by what's happening in this episode that they did their own research and wants to clarify for us the level of accuracy that, that's portrayed in this episode when it comes to the, the scientific pieces, please let us know. I am genuinely curious to know if like there is some accurate things happening here or if it's all pulled out of Iraqi's ass. Yeah, so if I were to just keep my head upside down, am I just going to want to pee more? Maybe. So, <laughs> let's let's test it out. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll just hang myself upside down. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in um, to the second to last review episode of this section yeah, of Stone Ocean. It's so long more. to say that, but... Again, we'll, we'll continue to keep you posted as we hopefully find out soon what's going on with Stone Ocean. We've got some things in the works to hold us over until we get more episodes, but we appreciate you tuning in every single week to talk Stone Ocean with us. And that wraps up episode 39 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service. You can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday during the Stone Ocean Review series. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued.